Welcome to the Tabletop Summary, where we dive a little bit deeper into why we love board games. Strap in and prepare for a deep sea adventure. Here are your hosts. Welcome, welcome everyone to the Tabletop Submarine Podcast. I am your host, Josh, and with me as always is my co-host, Andrew. Andrew, how the heck are you? Ahoy, matey. I'm doing just fine, actually. Do do submarine people say ahoy? I don't know. I just feel like, I don't know, is there a, is there a greeting in submarine lingo that I don't know about? It probably is. Yeah, nah. Well, we'll if we figure it out, we'll, we'll throw it in here, but I don't think it's ahoy. <laughs> Anyways, it's great to see you. Welcome back to the Tabletop Submarine. It's well, I guess I'm not seeing you. I'm just listening to you as of right now. Either way, it's great to hear your voice. So let's go ahead and uh, we're going to jump right into our guest today and get right into telling stories. Today's guest is Martin Dane. The pre-launch. Get to know us and our guest. Okay, here we are, getting ready to launch, and we have our guest, Martin Dane, who's here to talk about what's he been playing lately. Hi guys, thanks for having me on board. Well, uh, we're just back from UK Games Expo, so a little tired, getting you know, recovering from that, so lots of throat pastels, uh, so lots of games <laughs> being played, lots of demoing. Well, since you're kind of new here on the submarine, how about you tell us a little bit about yourself, and who you are as a person, what's your relationship with games, and all that wonderful stuff. Sure, yeah. I mean, I, I played ga- uh, games when I was growing up, uh, mostly with uh, my mother. Most nights we would sit with a pack of cards or some dominoes, uh, really old traditional games. Um, then I got into computer games in the 80s, and I played computer games all the way through until just a few years ago uh, when I played, I think it was Carcassonne and then Ticket to Ride. And then I, when I went on the computer after that, it just felt a little bit flat. It was that lack of interaction. And ever since, you know, I've mm-hmm. just been playing board games after board games and, and pretty much a day doesn't go by where I'm not playing or thinking about board games or designing board games or discussing board games. Love it. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, um, a couple of years ago, I met a couple of guys who were also designing board games. I'd started designing board games and myself, uh, Richard and Marcos, we created Paperboat Games. Uh, last year, we did our very first game, which was Snapshot. And that went so well. Um, 7.8 on BGG, rated top three game at Aircon, along with Ark Nova and Icky. Really good company to be with. Yeah. Um, reviewers saying game of the year. Um, people coming up to us saying it's their family favorite. It couldn't have gone better. And then now, obviously, we've got the difficult second game to follow it up with. That's going out later in the year. That is Cloud Foxes. It's uh, foxes that fly in the sky with pirates on their backs, of course. Um, so we've been demoing that. Really excited. I think it's going to be even better than Snapshot. Um, so yeah, very excited. I got the inside scoop on this one. I have play tested this with Martin, and it really is spectacular. Not only is the art interesting and different, but the mechanisms are things I've not seen before, and it's a really interesting combination of things. I think it's going to be a hit too, and it's one of the reasons why I really enjoy Martin Dane's work, and I'm happy to have him on the show today. Oh, thank you. So we all here just got back from some conventions. Me and Andrew just uh, actually finally met for the first time at Origins. But you had your, I guess, kind of your own little Origins across the sea at the UK Games UK Games Expo. So can you tell us a little more about how that went and what maybe for some maybe of our American viewers or just not even just not even non-native UK viewers what the UK Games Expo is? Sure. Yeah. I mean, UK Games Expo. It's the biggest games expo in the UK. 
Um, so it's uh, three big halls, takes over the NEC in Birmingham. There's demoing, there's playing, there's competitions. Uh, it's a chance for uh, publishers like myself to to meet the, the, the public and, and have that one-to-one with them and get instant feedback on the game. Uh, and it's a great um, opportunity for, obviously, the public to try out all the latest hotness and buy some games and try and get some bargains. And it's just three days of absolute awesomeness. I come back absolutely shattered. Uh, I always take the day <laughs> off afterwards because I need it to recover. Um, this was uh, a week now I've been back. My voice is still suffering a little bit. You can probably hear it. Um, so, yeah, it's just lots and lots of talkity talk, which I'm quite good at. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, I, there's nothing better than, than playing games with people and with big crowds of people. And it's a chance to get some bigger games to the table as well. You know, we, we got to play Captain Sonar. We got mm-hmm. to do blood on the clock tower you know those games where you need bigger crowds we did a 13 game uh playthrough of wavelength 13 people playing wavelength yes love it, it was brilliant wavelength is a great like that is one of the games i tell like the board game store i work at people come in like i need a game for 15 people it's like you got monikers and then wavelength is the one i always go to is such a fantastic you know, it's, it's such a good party game. It's so unique. Well, thank you so much for sharing with us about UK Games Expo. Andrew, we had the opportunity to finally meet in person at Origins, even though we, that time we actually met was very short comparative to the entire weekend. So tell me, how was your Origins? My Origins was great. I was working uh, at the booth at 25th Century for most of my time when I was there. Um, but that was a great experience. Not only does 25th Century have great games, but... Uh, just a ton of great people stopped by the booth to not only demo the games we were showing, also just say hello and chit-chat for a bit and talk about design. I met a couple different other publishers and I met some other designers and just a wonderful experience. And then I got to play some games as well. Uh, one of the ones I got to play that I'm really excited about coming up here is from Smirk and Dagger Games. It's a game called Boop. And <laughs> it is the most adorable little game where it's an abstract two-player head-to-head game about cats pouncing on a bed and then when they do they kind of create a ripple effect around them so they push other cats away in different directions and the whole point of the game is to line up three of them in a row but when you land you can't land in between them otherwise it pushes the two away so you end up having to land on the outside pushing other cats toward each other to form these three combinations and then once you get three of them in a row they upgrade to larger cats and then you have to get three larger cats to be in a row. And it's just this really adorable yet spectacular brain burn that you don't expect of this cute little two-player game. And on top of that, it has these big, chunky cat meeples. They're naming them Meowples, which ah. I think is adorable as well. <laughs> and uh, look for that coming out in the fall this year. It's an instant buy for me, and I'm one play. I mean, I played it once. And I am just smitten with this game. It's adorable and spectacular. So definitely be on the lookout for that one. But that was probably the best game I played at Origins and is not even out yet. You know, that's the cool thing about conventions that when you play games that aren't already out yet and they're the best ones. Because the similar thing happened to me. I was demoing for Third World Studios and they were showing off the Stuff of Legends. Um, so Stuff of Legends is a... It's, ba- it's based off a graphic novel of the same name. It's basically if Toy Story was 
uh, super dark and edgy. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, basically the idea is that this, the boogeyman has kidnapped this boy and these boys' toys have come to life and they enter the closet to try to save him. And so they all become these amazing, cool, awesome warriors. But the game is more akin to games like Battlestar Galactica and, uh, you know, maybe Unfathomable. There mm-hmm. is a cooperative game where you're traveling through the land of the closet, having different encounters, fighting off enemies, but there might be a traitor among you who's loyal to the Boogeyman wants the group to lose. And Ooh. it's it's so good. It is so good. It sounds good. Yeah, no, like, because, you know, battle. I love hidden traitor games, like, but they're always so long, so, like, unfathomable, and, you know, Blood in the Clock Tower, and the, you know, Battlestar Galactica, these are all good games, but they're all so long. And I don't, yeah. I mean, like, that's why I like games like, you know, One Minute, One Night Werewolf so much, because it's super quick, and you get that traitor mechanic in there. But this game is, per- it t- took like 20 minutes for me to teach at this point, and the entire game maybe lasts an hour and a half. And once you actually learn it, it's an hour easily. And it's, every time I played this game and taught it to people, there was a giant standing ovation cheer at the very last one where we discovered who won and who lost. That's you know, cool. Yeah. Great artwork, great production. Third World Studios is awesome. Can't wait to see what else comes from them. Is that a Kickstarter game, Josh, or will it go straight to retail? Um, I, both. They did a Kickstarter a while ago. And I think they had some releases of it previously, um, but it's not available for retail yet, but it's going to be. But they're taking late pledges right now. So, you know, it's one I am trying to save up for. I'm, I think when, once it comes to retail, I'm getting it no matter what. But I kind of want to get the deluxe edition because of the, the minis they have with it. Nice. They had some really cool 3D printed minis there while doing it. But yeah, Origins was great for me. I got to meet Andrew and his his family. That was awesome. Got to, you know, play test some games, pitch some games, all that wonderful stuff. Can't wait to go back next year. Thank you for everyone who put that on. If you're a volunteer at Origins and helped make it possible, good on you. It was great. Kudos to you, yeah. Well, one last thing real quickly, because you mentioned the miniatures. I finally got uh, Foundations of Rome on the table played, and it's a good game. It's really a good game, but the miniatures detail is spectacular. So kudos to Arcane Wonders for putting together a game that basically you put on the table, people are going to walk up and ask to play it immediately. It looks so amazing. Yeah, that game has really set the standard for production in a lot of ways. Um I, I I saw it a couple of times at Origins. Looked spectacular. So Martin, for your information, if I don't see a, a super detailed flying fox token in this next game <laughs> coming out, I will not be backing, and I will be extremely upset about this turn of events. Josh, you will not be disappointed. But I tell you though, you know, one thing I did notice. One thing I did notice at the convention is just how much everybody is up to their game. The games coming out now are just yes. amazing. So many of them. You know, I go to a stand. It was brilliant. I go to the next stand. It's brilliant. Go to the next stand. It, you know, you've got. We're raising our game. Everybody's raising the game. I think it's absolutely fantastic. Yeah. No. I. I. I it's so good because, like, it's games like Foundations of Rome that you know raise the water. But because we're raising the water, everybody steps up their game, which makes us as gamers super happy. Because yeah. you know, it, it, not every game has to be the production level of Foundations of Rome. But as long as much effort is put into a small 54-card game, we still appreciate it. Well, I think we've spent enough time on Surface, Andrew and Martin. How about, let's say we close the hatch and head straight into the dive. Totally agree. Let's go ahead and So, Martin, 
We are now below surface and we are diving really fast. It's time for you to take the helm, as it were. We're going to ask you, what is your most memorable board game experience? Okay, well, I'm going to jump straight in and tell you the game, first of all. The game is Nemesis. Have you guys played it? I've seen it played and I know it's about, but I have not personally a- a- attacked this one yet. Same here. I've seen it, know what it is, know what it's about, not played it. Well, this was um, the first time we played. It was four first-time players. Um, and and, and, if, and if anything, the fact that we're all first-time players just added to the theme of the game because we're all finding our way. And the game is very much a finding-your-way game. And mm-hmm. the thing that was great about it, well, for one, it looks spectacular. Obviously, yeah. a big nod to the film Alien. Uh, mm-hmm. And I grew up in the 80s, and so Alien was, was a really big thing for me. Uh, you're probably a bit too young for it, Josh. Andrew, wait, wait, no, pa- pause, pause. I have seen Alien and Aliens. <laughs> oh, that's good. <laughs> <laughs> on, Continue. On video cassette. Oh my lord! I'm not going to say anything. Continue on. <laughs> okay. I saw it in the um, theater. Yeah. Yes, me too. Uh, an absolutely amazing film. Uh, I grew up loving the film, and now suddenly I'm in it. And the thing is, it just captures the theme wonderfully, the game. And it really does tell a story. And that's the thing. It was the storytelling of the game. In fact, so much so, it told such a story as you're playing it that after we'd finished playing, I actually wrote the, the gameplay out in the style of a story. And I sent I it to that. the other guys. Um, I'll give you an idea. I'll I, I tell you what. Would you like to hear, would you like to hear the, first, uh, the first paragraph? I would love it. Okay, so I called it The Nemesis Incident. We join the final and fatal voyage of the starship NEM-515, better known as Nemesis, as the remaining crew wake from a long and deep sleep. Air escapes as the glass roofs of the cryo chambers decompress and lift. Only four weary passengers emerge from their beds, eyes cloudy, minds to match. They wonder where they are. The toxins in their bodily systems decide to aid their cryopreserve now working against them, fuzzing their mind with confusion, uncertainty, and blocking that which could aid their immediate survival, their memories. A slight clearing of the fogginess and they become aware of themselves, name badges and roles prominent on their clothing. At the same time, they are, they are aware for the first time that they are not alone in the room. They are four. Engineer, pilot, scientist, and captain. Wait, no. There is a fifth body, well, almost a body. A mangled, mutilated corpse lies in the room. Our crew look at the body, and then they look to each other. Who could do this? Was it one of the crew? Maybe there are others on board. They eye each other suspiciously, each backing away to a different door. Then each leaves the room, the party of four, now four parties of one, each looking for its own answers, none fully sure what the questions are. And that is exactly how the game starts. You're not giving a huge amount of information. You're finding out as you go. You know your role. Uh, you you know the other roles. Uh, but you know also that people have secret objectives and, and they're not always on necessarily on your side. So we all right. back away in the game and we all go in different directions. But in fact, that works against us because, because we're all in different parts of the ship now, all making noise in different parts of the ship, the noise is what attracts the monsters. So suddenly we're all getting individually attacked by the monsters. And for the first part of the game, we're getting absolutely hammered. And then we realize that actually 
we're only going to survive the game. The game is going to kill each all, pick us off one by one, unless we start working together. And it's actually the captain who first speaks up and says, I think we need to work together, guys. We're making too much noise. Let's team up in pairs. So he teamed himself up with myself, the scientist, and the other guys paired up. And now we're working together. So you've got two chances of beating the monsters as opposed to the one. I mean, we we, we got to the point where we'd used all our bullets. We're, we, we're injured, which is slowing us down. So now as we're recouping, we've got each other's backs. What I didn't know at this point was that the captain's secret objective was he could only escape the ship if he escaped with somebody else. So he had a real reason for saying, oh, let's team up. But what <laughs> he didn't know was that my secret objective was I could only get off the ship if the captain died. So the captain's asking me to team up with him, and I'm thinking, well, it couldn't work out better because I need for him to be dead. I can keep him with me, and just as I go to escape, throw him to the wolves. Um, <laughs> uh, so, so everybody's kind of, at this point, working together with one eye on each other as well. And, you know, it it just played out like a movie. It was such a story as we're playing it. I mean, in the end, um, the captain, who is generally a trusting person, Erwin, who played the captain, he's a very trusting person. He, he trusted me. And, of course, in the end, I betrayed him. I threw him to the wolves. And, um, and since then, every time we play a game, he's like, oh, I don't know if I can trust you, Martin. I don't, it's, it's had a long-lasting effect on how we play games together. Um, the the pilot Paul was was great. He had such bad luck. He kept getting infected. He kept having to get surgery to get the infections removed, so something nothing burst out of his stomach. And it was just the general wear and tear that wore away at him until finally, you know, although he was with the engineer, he succumbed to to the the monsters, the aliens. Um, at which point, the engineer. Um, which was Jane, she, she went to pieces. I mean, she's used to playing long, deep games, but it just wore her down, the constant attacking of these monsters. And, and she just threw a towel in at this point. She was like, she had bullets left. She chose not to use them. She gave up. Uh, oh, wow. And it was just, yeah, it was amazing. So you've got a character there who's just broken. The, the game has broken this character. Um, and then, of course, myself, the scientist. Um, do you want to know what happened to the scientist? Yes. Okay, I tell you what, I'll, I'll, let me jump to the end. Here we go. Um, out of ammo and near to death, our captain makes a final bid to flee the alien. As the alien whips around, its razor-sharp tail connects with the captain and he falls. Our captain has served his crew well. The scientist has been monitoring the fight on the computer screen built into his wheelchair. He smiles as the captain's status turns red, deceased. The cryomist has lifted and recalls his hatred for the captain. It was his fault the scientist was in the wheelchair. He can never forget that. And, this, and there was no way he was going to let the captain escape the ship alive. With this resolved, he slips into the escape pod and launches three of the ship. He's on his way home. The lone survivor, the scientist, hurtles homewards. But there is one last twist. He examines his wounds and knows that he may be infected. He cannot return to Earth carrying this evil inside him, so he reaches for the scanner. He looks at the red screen and scans the results. Clear, 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 and finally, clear. He slumps back with a sense of overwhelming relief. He will be home soon to tell the tale of the Nemesis incident. Uh, and that is generally how the game ended. Every, everything in the story that I wrote was played out in the game. And, not, and I can't think of any other time where a, a game has truly told a story without it telling a story. 
you are telling the story with the actions you take. It was just uh, an absolutely amazing day. It took hours and it was worth every second of it. I love that. That is so spectacular. Not only you have a, a storytelling art to you, you have an ability to tell a story because you, you did paint the picture for us, but also this game gave you the canvas and it did like a paint by numbers thing, but you had no idea how it was going as you went. So that's really cool. I think that's awesome. And I have to try this game now, obviously. That's a great way of putting it. Paint by numbers. Yeah. Effectively. Yeah. That's what it does. You know, it gives, gives you that stimulus, you know, it's, it's the muse. So obviously this game is based off of, you know, alien, you know, the, the alien franchise nemesis. Um, do you, do you have, yeah, unofficially. Okay. I, yeah, unofficially. But if you look at that's look at the cover, it's, it's a xenomorph. There is no yes, game around is. that <laughs> on the cover of nemesis is, is a xenomorph. It's the most, it's probably the closest you can get without IP infringement of a xenomorph. Um, yeah. <laughs> but you know, it's, it's amazing what, you know, these kind of stories can come out with, with, I, you know, we have, I mean, so I, you, you talked about how you watched the original Aliens. Has, was Aliens like an, a favorite of yours going into this, or is it just kind of something you were aware of? Oh, yeah. Not, not, I wouldn't say my absolute favorite film, but yeah, certainly up there, you know, at least your top five films, Martin, I'm probably going to say Alien or Aliens. Um, yeah, and, and I, I, I remember playing a computer game of it, Game way back in the eighties on the ZX Spectrum. These are all words that would mean nothing to you, Josh. Uh, but <laughs> <laughs> it was it was wonderful eight bit gaming. Um, and then I have played Alien Isolation on the Xbox, which really captures it well. But I would give all of that up uh, for this game, which just you know catches the theme. And it, and I, 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 although it's you know a few hours gameplay, I like that it is. I like that it's a steady slow build. It's not an instant. Oh, something's jumped out at me. I've shot it. Kind of thing. There we go. It, 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 you know, it, when the aliens first start coming out, you don't really know how effective your weapons are going to be. You shoot the alien. It doesn't kill it, but it, what it does is it knocks it back and it buys you time. But then more aliens mm-hmm. come, and then you find a secret weapon uh, whilst you're searching rooms, and it's the secret weapon that can kill the aliens much more easily that then gives you a chance to progress. Uh, mm-hmm. And there's all these little things that come up, and it's just so well done. So Nemesis is really tied into what I think is the first Alien movie, which is more of the horror aspect, you know, not knowing what's going to happen. And it, it brings up the idea of, like, are there – you got, can you guys think of any other games that really do this? Like, take an IP or a movie and make it into a good quality game? Because most of the time when you think of IPs, you're thinking of, like, oh, here's Godzilla Monopoly, you know, wonderful <laughs> – but, you know, this, you know, Awakened Realms really, even though they don't have the official license to it, they really dug in deep and got the feeling of what the Aliens movies are. Yeah, I think that's a, I think that's a great point. I mean, it's like Carcassonne Carcass um, Star Wars. It's just, you know, they've, they've painted <laughs> Star Wars over the top of it. There's so many things that they say they call Star Oh, Risk Star Wars. It's just Risk, and they've called it Star Wars on the end. Um, right. I, I can think of many um, games based on films. Um, and TV that have not been good. Um, yes, there are some though that I have enjoyed. Um, I really enjoy um, Cowboy Bebop, the card game, uh, which mm-hmm. is a deck builder, which I love. But I love Cowboy Bebop, um, and I really enjoyed uh, Firefly, the game. I, I don't think it's one of the best games ever made, but I do think it catches the theme of the TV show. And that's more important to me than the actual overall gameplay, catching the theme. You know, you want to feel like it's part of the, you're part of the game. 
um, mm-hmm. rather you know part of the actual show rather than it just be you know here's a game and we kind of stuck this on the top. What about yourself, Andrew? Uh, yeah, I would say a couple that I own and have yet to break out, but I've heard great things about uh, Jaws by Robinsberger. Uh, oh yes, I have that. I've played that. A very good one versus many situation. It's got the hidden role like Fury of Dr- Dracula style. I've heard that's really really good. I also have the uh, the attack on Nakitoma Plaza, the the Die Hard version game. Um, I'm looking forward to playing that one. I'm saving that one for Christmas though. I'm going to hold off and till the day we watch Die Hard and then throw that on the table afterwards. So I've got a couple of those in my collection. I've heard really great things about uh, Star Wars Rebellion. See, I've heard a lot of things that that one does it very well. Um, and on top of that, obviously, a uh, very, very popular game, Lord of the Rings uh, Middle Earth is supposed to be a spectacular card game Game there. That those are a couple of ones that I can think of right now that are supposed to be really good based on the movie IPs. I'm, I'm really keen to try The Thing. Oh, I've heard that one too. Yep. Yeah, well, I've lined up a game this very weekend, so I'm very oh. excited about that. Now, that said, we've mentioned a couple that are out there, but what are some IPs you'd love to see a board game made of? That's the question I want to ask. Where do we go next? What's the next cool board game movie tie-in? I would love to see more games based on anime, being a big anime fan. Things like My Hero ah. Academia. Um, that would be great. I mean, there's some, it's been some card games and things, but I don't think it's really been been done and i think anime is getting you know, really popular in the uk i don't know how it is in the us i think it is fairly good sized i mean there's a number of conventions that are specifically around anime and i know there's at least one big uh fairly decent sized board game publisher who does anime specific and that's japan anime games um they had a large booth at origins so they're definitely out there and they've got a couple new games coming out that said, that's not a world that I live in, so I don't know it. I just know of it. But uh, I know they're fairly big, and I've heard that there's some really creative IPs out there based around it, and they're going to be tapping into a bunch of those things coming up. So you may get your wish fairly soon. Yeah, anime is one of those things that I I like a lot. I don't get to watch it too much because it, it weirds the, my, my wife out a little bit in some instances. But there are there are lots of great titles and IAPs that are just asking for a great board game adaptation. Some that come to mind, and Martin, if you know any of these chime in, is Full Metal Alchemist is a great one. I think that could be a fantastic game. Uh, uh, Erase is another one. Uh, If you're into anime a little more, you'll know what that one is. It's a great time travel mystery game uh, Hmm. that I think could blend itself with some really interesting mechanisms and character play. The other one I, I want to see a really good game of is a game called The Promised Neverland. Uh, oh, I know that one, yes. Yeah, the first season. I haven't seen the second season yet, but the first season of you know trying to escape the orphanage that they're on. Uh, for Just a quick, this anime is about a bunch of orphan kids who are basically cows in this demon farm. That's <laughs> that's the big twist in the, in the entire series. But it's in episode one, so I'm not spoiling anything, but Something like that where you're trying to play out how to escape form, I think would be a fantastic, fantastic game. Yeah, um, I mean, anime is so rich in characters and and theme. Um, there's so much, I think, that could be uh, plundered. But um, for me, I've come across a, f- a few games based on animes, but they always tend to just be the card battles, card battles, card battles, rather than the storytelling. And yet the animes themselves are wonderful storytelling. Mm-hmm. Especially the things like the Studio Ghibli stuff, and you know, there's so much rich vein of, of storytelling to be to be taken out. 
Oh, I tell you what would make a really good uh, game: something based on Squid Game. Ah, yeah, they're going to be doing a Squid Game um, TV show, live action. They're going to be having. <laughs> so I nobody know people, dies. I know people in the board game industry who are actually applying to be on that show. So yeah. Oh. I well, it's a lot of money. Yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, the, there's lots. I think there's so many cool IPs outside of the immediate, you know, maybe European or American market that aren't explored. Like, you were talking just about Studio Ghibli. Studio Ghibli has so many wonderful worlds to explore. Like, just you talking about that, I would drop so much money on a worker placement game based in Spirited Away where you're running back. Oh, house. my favorite film. Oh, yeah. I love like, that film so much. Oh, Spirit Away is so good. The artwork, if you can like just get you know, the artwork of Studio Ghibli on the box, and then you're saying, hey, you're running the bathhouse just for a couple of days until the main character can leave, I would, that, that's a shut up and take my money moment. I would be all over that. Nice. Well, if you were to look at the foxes that we're using, Cloud Foxes, you'll see that they are Studio Ghibli Cloud Foxes. They are homages, yes, absolutely. So let's bring this to a head. If if I'm going to present a question to all of you, if you, because we're all designers here, we all have design in some capacity. If you mm-hmm. could have one dream IP to work on, anyone in the world, you could, it's guaranteed you're assigned, you put it out, what IP would it be and what kind of game would you make? You don't have to go into too many details, but, you know, just, just imagine if you will. Uh, mm-hmm. I can go first if you guys want while you guys are thinking about it. Fire away. Okay, so if I had to choose any IP in the world to work on as of right now, I would want to make a really solid Avatar The Last Airbender game. Um, mm, there's, okay. already, there's already a couple games out there. Um, Sentinel made a very good a kind of a Legend of Korra game about pro-bending. Mm-hmm. And they just came out with the, the uh, TTRPG about in the world. But I really would love to see a war game a la War of the Ring or even Rebellion based on the Hundred Years War of Avatar The Last Airbender, where one player plays the Fire Nation having superior technology, superior fighting prowess, but you have one player playing the Earth Kingdom who is trying to, you know, fight off the Fire Nation, and then you have one who also controls the Water Tribes who are trying to you know, maneuver around the poles and try to keep that the Fire Nation Bay. And throughout the entire time, the timer and stuff throughout the entire game is having this little hidden movement game, like there is more for the ring, where Aang is just trying to travel along the path all the way, all the way up to the North Pole. Josh, I have played that game. I have played the game you've just described. Yes, War or for I the should ring. Say, I, no, I have playtested that game. It's based on Avatar. It's exactly what you said. You play the different clans. This hidden movement. That game is it being playtested. I have playtested it. I can hook you up for a playtest if you wish. <laughs> hook me up. Hook me up. I am an avatar <laughs> junk. I am an avatar junkie. I'm going to message you after this so I can play this game. <laughs> I preferred Cora myself, but there you go. <laughs> ah, okay. That's a different conversation. I'm not going to have. Anyways, awesome. I'm going to take you up on that because if if my dream game is out there, I want it. Anyways, Martin, Andrew, who's next? Go ahead, Martin. Uh, There's so, so many. Um, But um, I'm going to go something a bit, I guess, left field, Starsky and Hutch, the board game. Ooh, okay. 
Okay, explain. Tell me how to do that one. Yeah. So you know, there's the you you're catching the baddies. What what could be clearer? You know, you're getting into a bit of trouble. You you go and get go over see Huggy Bear and he gets some advice. He puts you on the right track. <laughs> you know, um, one of them sings a song in the middle. Uh, you know, the usual things it starts to get much. That was a big part of my childhood, and uh, yeah, I, I I guess I quite like to look back at things and. You know, when when games come out that have got a nice retro feel, I always like it. For me, it's a book that I found relatively recently in the last year or so, and it's the Mistborn trilogy uh, by Brandon Sanderson. I think that'd be amazing. I love that the characters use things in their pocket or things around them to push and pull them tactically on the board. So you can throw some coins on the floor and then use those to push off into the air, or you can pull on a piece of iron on a doorknob across the way and and pull you there. And and I I think this would be kind of a resource management as well as a a hand management game where you take the cards and maybe you have a, a pull on this card or a push on that card or something like that. And then you have to use the board and put yourself in a position to make attacks and then do damage and stuff like that. And then also maybe move throughout the city to get to locations to activate certain things. I think that'd be a really interesting game, and that's what I'd like to see happen. Yeah, that sounds interesting. I don't know if you guys are the same, but I find it. I, I like to read a lot of books, and I find whenever I read a book, I'm always thinking to myself, "Ooh, this could make a board game." I, I do that constantly. You guys do the same? Absolutely. I was going to say, um, there's a, a series of books uh, by Richard Cadry called Sandman Slim. I don't know if you know those. Don't they know them. They would definitely make a great board game. It's about uh, the only human person to have gone to hell and escaped from hell. Um, And it's just really, really good. And then there's, uh, you know, anything by Neil Gaiman for me would make a good good story. And and a good story makes for a good board game. I guess we're right back to where we started, where it's all, it's storytelling, isn't it? It is. Yeah, no, I was, I I get inspired by books too. I was, I was recently listening to a book called De-Evolution. Um, it's hmm. by the same author who did World War Z, which is one of my favorite books. And basically, it's basically a Sasquatch horror story. And you know, it's just it. I just the idea of you know facing off against a group of Sasquatch in a game. You know that kind of stuff inspires me. Like that'd be a really really good board game if you could simulate it. But books are just as rife with inspiration as movies or TV are for sure. Well, that said, we should probably go on to uh, taking a look at things that are on the radar. And since you already know there's a game out there that's exactly what you want, what other things are on your radar coming up here, Josh? Speaking of hidden movement, at Origins, I was able to find a little, little gem of a game that I haven't played, but I, I just got explained to you, and I was immediately hooked in with just the first couple words, which was two-player hidden movement game. Like Hidden movement is absolutely my favorite genre of games. It's like Fury of Dracula, Hunt for the Ring, um, all things like that. Scotland Yard. I love those games. I think it's a great mechanism. And this game is called Gorio. Uh, don't remember the publisher as of right now because they're they're distributors mainly, but they're starting into publishing. But basically, you're playing. For understand, you're playing this cat um, that is in this temple, and you're trying to smash certain relics. And the other player plays a group of samurai trying to stop them. It is super whimsical and funny, but the artwork is gorgeous. And, you know, it's a two-player hidden movement game. I have lots of lot, lots of hidden movement games don't work well at two. Because um, either it's too much for the player to handle or it's not interesting enough for 
you know, keep me engaged. But this one I have high hopes for uh, because, you know, it plays, they say it plays a little about an hour. Um, the component quality is excellent. This, the theme is gripping. I am super excited to get this to the table. Gorio. Uh, Martin, what's on your radar right now? Uh, so hitting the table a lot at the moment is a game called Icky. Uh, by Sorry We Are French, published by Hatchet UK. Um, it's just a great little rondel game um, set in Edo, which is the former name of Tokyo. You've got little little guys that are setting up stores and you're trying to attract people to your stores. And, you know, it's just a really nice, pleasant game. And I can see why it's you know, won, won awards. I mean, it's a great game. Um, there's another game uh, coming out soon. I'm waiting for this to go to Kickstarter called Crown of Ash. Which is by uh, a new publisher, Card Noir. First first time out. Um, I've play tested it. Uh, Love the look of it. Before I play tested it, um, and then when I play tested it, it didn't let me down. It's a great uh, card game uh, where you are trying to become the ultimate necromancer. So I would recommend everybody goes on to Kickstarter and, and looks for Crown of Ash and take a look at it. Well, I guess I'll finally go. I I very much finally picked up uh, Sobek, the two-player game. I've been looking for this for a long time. Oh, Bruno and my, my friendly local game store finally got a copy, so I picked that up, and I'm excited to play that one. I'm always looking for really good two-player games for my wife and I to play. Um, and this, this they've just, uh, Bruno, we all know, but Sebastian Pochon has also did uh, Jaipur and a couple other games I really like as well. He did Jamaica. So he's, he's a good designer as well. It's a good combo, so I'm excited for that. And then I finally, finally got the Expedition Leaders, Lost Ruins of Arnak expansion. I adore Lost Ruins of Arnak. We've played it many, many times, and I held off, held off buying the expansion until we pretty much flushed it out. I think at this point, I'm ripe to dive into the new content, and I'm excited about that. Okay, and with that, the air is getting a little stale in here. Let's go ahead and resurface. Well, Martin, thank you so much for showing up here to the Tabletop Submarine. We appreciate it. Andrew, any last words before we bid Martin goodbye? Just that uh, I adore Martin. I adore his sense of humor, and I'm so glad we had him on the show. Oh, thank you. That's really nice. Martin, if people want to connect with you, where can they find you? Yes, so um, www.paperboatgames.com. uh, we're on social media as well. Just search for Paperboat Games or Snapshot or even Cloud Foxes. We love hearing from people. You know, if you, people want to get in touch, um, drop us a message. If you want to play one of our games with the designers, that's great. Just, again, go online, drop us a message. Uh, they're on Tabletopia waiting for people to play them. Um, you know, if, if designers want to get in touch with us for anything that, you know, they can learn from us, we're, we're more than happy to help out as well. We just want to talk to people. So reach out, please reach out. With that, Martin, thank you so much for taking a little voyage with us. We're going to let you go through and taste some fresh air. But before you go, you have to give me that, uh, you know, you have to give me not only a link to your game, because I want to try out the Flying Fox game, but whatever this mysterious avatar project is, I'm holding you to it. Uh, uh, Andrew. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much, Martin. Appreciate you coming on the submarine with us today. Goodbye, everybody, and stay safe out there.